Hi there and welcome back to Letters from Your Dog. If you are a dog professional, listen up because we've got something really cool coming soon to pause up dogs. After speaking to loads and loads of my dog professional peers and colleagues, I found that there wasn't really a space for people to go to share the more difficult side of the job that we do. So whether you're a veterinarian or a dog trainer, a behaviourist, a physiotherapist, canine hydrotherapy, whatever it is that you do, a groomer perhaps... We don't often talk about the more difficult side of our jobs, the emotional side of working with dogs and their people, whether we're working with a dog that's very anxious or shut down or aggressive, or whether we're working with people who are very anxious or upset or worried about the behaviour that they're seeing from their dog. Sometimes our job can be really, really hard, and it's important to have a space where you can talk confidentially about the difficult side of the job. Get some support from your peers in a place that you know you're not going to be judged, you're just going to be listened to and it's confidential so no one can hear all of those difficult emotions that you might be experiencing. If that sounds like something that would be useful to you, go and check in the show notes. There'll be a link there for you to sign up for the waiting list to find out and hear more information about this when it comes out or if you're listening after the launch date then there'll be an opportunity to sign up and join us. Okay, let's get to the episode. Parenting your much-loved dog is a relationship like no other. Our dogs are individuals and there is no one-size-fits-all when it comes to training. Hi, I'm Dr Holly Tett, professional dog trainer and clinical psychologist. And each week on Letters from Your Dog, we'll look at understanding specific dog training questions and struggles from your dog's point of view. Thanks for being here. Let's get to the episode. Hi there and welcome back to Letters from Your Dog. If you have never tuned in before, welcome, I'm Holly and today we're going to be talking about what your dog would buy with their lottery ticket. Okay, so we've all played that game, you must have played that game, unless you're a lottery winner, in which case congratulations. But chances are, if you are, you probably played the game before you won. And the game I'm talking about is the one that's great for a long car journey. So you say to the person that you're driving with, if you won the lottery, what would you do with the money? So it could be, what's the first thing you would buy? Or where would you go on a trip? Or who would you tell? (laughs) That's always a good question, isn't it? It's like, would you tell me if you won? Um, And it's it's a dream, isn't it? It's a fantasy. We get to say, oh my gosh, I'd go on a, so if it was me, for example, I'd go on a round the world trip. I'd go to all these amazing places. And then when I came back, I'd want to help out friends or family, but secretly. So like, I would absolutely love to secretly pay off like my best friend's mortgage and not tell her. And then she just checks her balance and it's at zero. Like that would be so incredible. Things like that really really fun um I would certainly adopt a load of dogs and cats I'd get a big house where I could have loads of adopted animals and just live the dream (laughs) with animals everywhere um yours might look similar to that it might look very very different but we've all got this dream and this fantasy about what we would do if we won okay I mean chances are most of us wouldn't win because we never buy a ticket myself included but the dream is still there and it's a fun game to play now what if you could ask your dog this question? It's always a good comparison because chances are your dog isn't going to say, oh, I'd like that Lamborghini or I'd like that six bedroom house in the country. Because the beauty of this is that we can 
yet let our dogs win the lottery a heck of a lot more than we ever could. We can observe our dogs for a day, for a weekend, for a week, and we can quite clearly see what their favorite things are. And we're able to provide them with that as often as we're able to, as often as we'd like to. And that's a real gift because I think so much of working with dogs and speaking myself as a dog behaviorist and a dog trainer is that people always come with with difficulties and problems, things that they want to fix, things that they want to change. And that makes sense. Of course, you would seek the help of a professional when you've got problems, when you've got things that are difficult. But so much of the time, we forget to celebrate what's amazing (laughs) and what's incredible about our dogs and what they really love to do. So I'm going to give you a really mundane example. So one of my dogs, he sleeps on the bed with me. And in the morning, he's usually wormed his way under the covers at some point in the night. Sometimes, I sort of stir and I notice but most of the time he's very stealthy (laughs) but it's quite nice I get a nice well in winter anyway I get a nice warm hot water bottle to wake up to but anyway when my alarm goes off I'm not a morning person I'm definitely more of a night owl but more recently I've been trying to do a morning routine and actually getting up when the alarm goes off rather than snoozing it four times and going back to sleep um however what I could do is jump straight out of bed What I choose to do, certainly the last week or so, is spend five minutes cuddling Riggs because what my favorite thing to do is just say Riggsy good morning Riggsy in the quiet voice and you just hear that tail start to thump and he's a Labrador cross so he's got a really thick tail <laughs> and it starts to thump bang 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 on the duvet and then he comes up and he might give me a little lick on the hand and he's just so happy to be in that moment with me and it's interesting because as a young dog he was very exuberant very quick to be aroused very quick to be overexcited and over the top and I I think if I'd done that with him when he was maybe two or three he would have been immediately barking or jumping on and off the bed really excitedly but he's at a point now where he's quite a calm dog and actually we could just enjoy that moment together so that's one example of something that I think would be on Riggs's lottery list if I asked him and there's many, many other things that might be on there. So maybe it's a walk, a, a walk, but a certain walk. Maybe it's a walk where they get to go in the river, where they get to go on the beach. Something that is about that walk that makes it special for your dog. Maybe it's a very sniffy walk. There's lots of things to smell. The other thing you can do is just keep to a regular choice check-in. So this is something I might have spoken about on the podcast before. Anyone who's in one of my training programs will have heard me speak about this. And this is what we refer to as a choice check-in. So I like to get a big old bit of cardboard and take maybe 10, 15, 20 pieces of different types of food. Um, So you might have some chicken, some cheese, some sausage, some shop-bought treats, some fish, some kibble, some... I don't know what else the dogs eat. Egg... (laughs) some vegetables some fruits and you're going to put them a load of them all on this massive bit of cardboard you're just going to let your dog have at it basically do it a couple of times and just make a quick note you might have to be very fast maybe film it in slow motion if you need to keep a quick note of where your dog goes first because most dogs I think will eat what they like best. They're not like us, whereas you, we might save the best till last. They're like, give it to me now. <laughs> so they tend to go to what they like most first. Now, you might have a very discerning dog that really takes their time and sniffs everything before deciding. You might have a dog that annihilates the whole board. It doesn't matter. 
either one of those extremes, you're still going to see a preference. You're still going to see, oh, they, they lingered a little bit longer there, or they really enjoyed that, or they went there first. And that can really help you to create a hierarchy. So that's just a hierarchy in terms of treats. What does your dog love the most? What's their top five? Then when you maybe start to do a training session that day, take two of the top five. Let's say we've picked, I don't know, sausage and raspberries, <laughs> just off the top of my head. Um, you're going to hold out your hands with your top, your two top five out there and you're going to say, which one do you want to play with today? And your dog will indicate with their nose or maybe their paw and say, that one, I want to play with that one. And then you're going to do your training with that treat. And you're going to repeat the same thing the next day because just like us, Tastes change over time, but they also change according on the day. (laughs) So if your dog's done a load of training with chicken earlier in the day or yesterday, they might prefer to train with cheese this afternoon, for example. So doing that little choice check-in, just adding that extra bit of choice into your dog's day is such a simple, easy way to help them feel more like they're having that lottery win day on a day-to-day basis. Same with toys. Grab a handful of toys. Do you want to play with this one or that one? Okay, we'll play with that one today. Same with your walk. Go out of your front door. Just stand still. Which way does your dog point? They want to go left, right, straight ahead? Okay, I'll let them take me. I don't need to always dictate, let's go this way. Just let them lead the way. Let them let them guide you and just watch the nose at work. <laughs> it's a really fun activity. And you could start to actually add some verbal cues to environmental joys because your dog is enjoying the environment every single day and they're learning every single time they do that. So let's say every single time you open the the back door for them, they race out into the grass and they roll around and they have a wonderful time. What starts to happen is that that door becomes a conditioned cue for having fun. (laughs) So when they see you open the door, this tail starts wagging. Exactly the same as when you get the harness out, unless you've got a dog that's scared of their harness, of course. But a lot of dogs will equate that with going outside or that word, walkies. (laughs) Sorry if anyone's dog's listening. You say walkies enough times before you go out on a walk, your dog starts to understand that means a walk. So you can start to see some things that you know your dog's going to really enjoy and you can put a verbal cue on there so for example all of my dogs are water babies so when I take them to a certain park near me there's a really fun bit where they can splash around I get in the water with them with my wellies on feet bare feet in summer maybe (laughs) and we have a good old splash around and a good time together so when we're rounding the corner towards that little bit and I know it's coming up I'll say who wants to swim and the tails start going they get really excited and then they dash forward and get to have a swim so you can become part of that experience with your dog and that's really really fun so it's not just about them going and enjoying the world on them by themselves but it's actually about you becoming part of that experience but what you're doing is you're joining them as a partner you're not interfering so it's not about taking control it's not about they're always having to do something and it always being transactional you need to sit before you can go for a swim now if you're having a dog that's really struggling with self-control that might be appropriate but if you've got a dog that actually isn't struggling with self-control and does come when you call them and just wants to go for a swim then actually do I need to ask them to sit beforehand or can they just go in that's a judgment call that you have 
to make because every dog is different every situation is going to be different too but regardless of whether you're working with really serious behavioral difficulties or whether you're just trying to do some very simple training or some work with your dog think about how many of these lottery win days you can give them how many fun things and activities can you weave into your work so that training isn't just about learning skills that the society thinks our dogs should have but it's actually about building that connection and that bond with your puppy or your dog that we all really want and again remind remind you to remind you (laughs) that you are a partner not an interferer in that situation that's always really helpful to have top of mind I think okay I'd be really interested to know what your puppy or your dog's lottery win day would look like so do go ahead and tag us on Instagram if you've enjoyed this episode tag us in your Instagram stories at pause up dogs training and let me know what your dog would have as their lottery day win okay take care bye Hi there, thanks for listening. Don't forget, if you are a dog training professional and you would like some more support with the emotional side of working with dogs and their people, so not so much learning how to train, but actually how to work with anxiety and depression and some of those really tough days when it comes to being a dog professional, then make sure you check out the link in the show notes. If you are listening before we launch this, then it will be a waiting list for you to join. And if it's after our launch date, then you can come ahead and see if you would like to become a member. So it's all about providing a supportive, confidential space for people to talk about some of the challenges of working with dogs and their people and to have it respected, supported and listened to. Okay, take care. Thank you.